Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week is Andy, GopherGuy05. Hello everybody. And you street. Hey y'all. Alright, well, um, suddenly out of the blue, uh, Andy reminded me that tomorrow's National Signing Day. Now, you may be wondering, what do you mean tomorrow is National Signing Day? There was a National Signing Day. It was in December, and we were done, right? And the answer is generally from Minnesota, yes. The early National Signing Day is typically the end of a class, but uh, P.J. Fleck uh, and his staff have gone out and picked up a former USC recruit. Uh, um, an offensive tackle? Uh, probably. Lineman. Okay. Lineman of some sort, uh, and thus we have uh, more to talk about uh, for for tomorrow's National Signing Day. Uh, if you weren't paying attention, unfortunately, this will not be a National Signing Day. At least we don't expect it to be a National Signing Day. That will include Avante Dickerson, uh, who decided uh, to go to Oregon at the last minute. Um, but uh, Andy, I, this feels like for for a class that was basically. Um, weak on the offensive line, they seem to have closed out in a much better position. Yeah, and we don't know for sure that Dickerson's going to Oregon. He'll announce tomorrow morning bright and early, but uh, all signs are pointing to him choosing Oregon over Nebraska and Minnesota. Uh, It will not be Minnesota, I can guarantee that. So we can all uh, sit and laugh at Nebraska fans when he, he chooses the Ducks. Um, Yeah, you know, Minnesota, they, they added the Utah State transfer Carter Shaw, um, you know, they, they got a couple more death and then they, uh, added another, uh, 2021 recruit who will sign tomorrow, uh, offensive lineman, Saya Mapakaya Tolo. Uh, he's out of, uh, the, the, the Phoenix area, um, but spent his junior year playing for Mission Hills, uh, Bishop Alamany in Southern California, committed to USC, uh, in January of 2020, um, and, Looked like he was going to be a USC recruit, but he uh, opened his recruitment in December. Minnesota was one of the first teams to uh, get in right away and, and talk with them. Apparently he had a really good relationship with um, Minnesota's offensive line coach. Uh, uh, blanking on his name. Comp- Thank you. I could see his face. I couldn't think of his name. Uh, but, I mean, Minnesota basically is pulling off a potential gem here from the West Coast. Had offers from basically the entire Pac-12, USC, UCLA, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon State, Washington State. Um, but, you know, he, he decided he was going to try and, and, and move to the Midwest. Um, you know, he projects to playing a tackle probably the next level, left or right. He's going to need a year or two in the weight room, uh, but has a lot of athleticism and and you know, really should potentially, after a couple of years in the gopher weight room, look to potentially being a multi-year starter for Minnesota. Um, you know, so if you look at what P.J. Fleck has done since the December signing date, uh, you pulled uh, which would have been a high four-star wide receiver coming out of high school from Texas A&M. Uh, you pulled an offensive lineman from Utah State who's going to have three years of eligibility and will probably uh, – sit as a backup next year behind our now incredibly super senior lead in offensive line before probably starting for two years. 
Um, and, and you've got this offensive line recruit who originally was going to go to USC, and we all know USC never recruits defensive or decent offensive linemen, um, who is going to sign with Minnesota tomorrow and, you know, could be a potential uh, left or right tackle starter in 2023 or 2024. So uh, all in all, Minnesota closed pretty good compared to, uh, you know, where we thought they might have been after the original National Signing Day. Um, and it's still not over. I saw in the news uh, earlier that Minnesota's talking to uh, a kicker from Kent State who's transferring from Kent State. He uh, set a school record with Kent State with 27 made field goals last year, including uh, multiple, I think he had three or four over 45. So uh, obviously Minnesota can use any kicking help they can get. So if they can, they can pull another kicker. Uh, that would be pretty nice as well. So uh, all in all, a decent close. We'll hear about P.J. Fox going to have a press conference tomorrow afternoon talking about all the preferred walk-ons. Um, obviously, you know, you hope there's a gem or two in those preferred walk-ons who, who develop into a Blake Cashman uh, type or Marcus Sherrill's type in three or four years for you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, would we like to have Dickerson to close this class? You'd most definitely believe it. But all in all, um, I think the Gophers did the best of what they could here in the last uh, six weeks and, and seemed to be closing uh, the late signing period here pretty strong. Well, sticking with football, Super Bowl this weekend, and what in what feels like the first time in forever, you've got you know more than just one uh, or two. You've got three Gophers playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, obviously, Tyler Johnson... And Tyler Johnson and Antoine Winfield Jr. for the Buccaneers. And um, why am I blanking? Um, Damian Wilson. Damian Wilson for uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I guess, Street, uh, if you had to pick a team to support based only on uh, the Gophers on it, would you choose uh, Damian Wilson or would you choose Antoine Winfield Jr. and Tyler Johnson? Choosing only the Gophers on it, I would choose Tyler Johnson and Antoine Winfield. Okay, now factoring in Tom Brady being a complete tool bag. Kansas City. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Andy, what are your thoughts uh, for, for the – oh, actually, well, Andy, you're going to know the answer because I haven't paid attention at all. Uh, is Antoine Winfield Jr. healthy? Uh, all signs are pointing to yes, that he is uh, supposedly back and he should be playing on on Sunday. And in fact, he could have a, a really large role for the Bucks. Um, they're talking about using him in, in coverage on Travis Kelsey, which uh, will not be an easy job for uh, whoever gets that job between the linebackers and the secondary for Tampa Bay. So uh, you may hear Antoine Winfield's name early and often on Sunday. Yeah, that's exciting. Those, that's two of my favorite Gophers, and they're already in the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, it's, they're on the same team as Tom Brady. But you can't have everything in this world. They did beat the Packers. So, you know, the little things, right? Um, basketball, shoot. I don't even know. Uh, streets. <laughs> I mean, what do we do here? I, I got nothing. There are three top-level things the basketball team needs to do to get better. The first is they need to actually box out and put defensive, get defensive rebounds, put bodies on offensive rebounders and trailers. It's going to be especially important in the upcoming game against Rutgers, which is unlikely to be a particularly pretty game. Rutgers plays a very physical brand of basketball, especially at the rack. 
but also Rutgers is a decent rebounding team and very physical and very long. The problem against Purdue is that Purdue had an offensive rebounding percentage of 48.4, which means they were basically rebounding one out of every two of their misses. Now, if you think back a long time ago to the Trevor Mbakwe, Rodney Williams brand of the University of Minnesota, which is historically the best offensive rebounding team ever in gopher program and one of the best period uh, they did not rebound 48 percent of their misses so that's not good that's the oh, first that's, thing that needs to that's change. bad that's bad the second thing that needs to change and it is unfortunate to talk about is marcus Carr has to play better marcus Carr over the last uh, one two three four five games is shooting less than 25 percent from three and he's putting up on average about eight attempts a game for the season in general uh, he's only 33 percent from from distance and that's really banking on a lot of excellent early games he's been shooting poorly from from distance for a while he's not getting a large number of assists he had zero against maryland he had five against purdue but a lot of that was kind of early some catch and shoot stuff that ended up happening if he's going to continue to be shooting as poorly as he did a la two of 13 from the field against purdue that assist number needs to be substantially higher than five now of course in order to get an assist the person you pass to has to make the shot they are supposed to be shooting so that is granted but Carr is taking on a little too much as opposed to working within the flow of the offense that is of course a high level point and the reason why i say it's a high level is that one the other team gets paid too in scholarships and they're doing a good job of putting Carr out on his rhythm. Some of it's a coaching perspective in the sense that I don't think Patino and his staff have done as good of a job as they could getting Carr in positions to be successful and or reinforcing something they're trying to do. So I think he's taking on a little bit more. Also, though, Marcus Carr has a much longer leash, and there's good arguments for this. In some sense, he's proven it. When he's at his best, he's the best point guard in the conference. But he's been at his worst for a while, and that has to change in order for the team to be successful. The third thing that needs to change is that uh, Liam Robbins and Brandon Johnson need substantially more touches in the post and place to be successful. When I say the post and places to be successful for Liam Robbins, that absolutely means if he's wide open on a pick and pop, he should take that shot. And they ran some action for him a little bit later in the game. One of them kind of went in and out against Purdue and the other other ones were kind of just bad misses for two for seven. But on the season, he tends to only shoot when he's open. He's shooting a pretty good clip from three. However, Liam Robbins is over seven feet tall. For our uh, you know listeners at home, Chris is a giant water demon, and he is what six seven, <laughs> six nine, six nine. So Liam Robbins towers over someone like Chris. Liam Robbins towers over most players. He didn't tower over either of the players uh, on Purdue trivia. Williams or Zach Eddy did a, did a good job on and pushed him out of the post, but. Robbins will be successful when he gets the ball on the block. And similarly, if they're sending doubles to him, Brandon Johnson should be open because the double is going to be coming off the power forward. That needs to be a consistent effort in the ball. I say all of that 
to now say the following, not as like some weird defense of Richard Pitino or something, uh, or like, I don't know, unrelenting lover of mediocrity on offense. Where what I mean is, what I'm going to say is the following. It is very easy to say at a high level, oh, these are the three things you need to do to make a basketball team go better. But the only thing that I have included that would be both true and even easier to say is the shot should go in. Right now, it's difficult because other teams have a lot of film and other teams are playing too. Other teams get paid too. The Gophers continue to be historically miserable shooting the ball, which makes it much easier to pack the paint, much easier to make a game kind of physical. I think Minnesota has not benefited as much in the last couple of games from officiating. I don't mean in the sense that like they're not getting calls or they are getting calls or whatever, but more that a lot of the success that Minnesota's had in its wins is getting to the foul line, and they haven't done a particularly great job of getting to the foul line in the numbers they probably should be getting to over the last few games. Now, some of that might be that they're trying to force shots. Some of it might be uh, that the other team's playing really good defense. In order to figure that out, you would have to go watch all of the game film. And fans don't watch the game film. Why would you watch the game film? Pandemic already sucks enough. Who wants to watch (laughs) hours of... (laughs) hours of film but it is in fact when coaches say like i don't know we'll have to watch the film they're not wrong about that because there's lots of things going on on every single action against purdue the thing that really let them down was their defense it wasn't the offense the offense was bad putting up less than one point per possession is bad missing a stupid number of your shots to the tune of you know 35 percent from three but that was because of a blistering start and then for the rest of the game about 16 percent that's bad but that's not the reason why they lost against purdue they lost against purdue because they gave up more or less one out of every two offensive rebounding chances that's why they lost they lost because purdue put up nearly 1.3 points possession that's bad. And defense is something that you can control. Purdue, however, is a really good basketball team. They struggled a little bit early in the season. Matt Painter's a very good basketball coach. Maryland's a good basketball team. Not as good as Purdue. Purdue's a really good basketball team. They're now ranked, as they should be. So Minnesota continues to have a brutal schedule. This isn't a, an excuse or something. It's that fixing these individual problems is also fixing all of these problems and then going against very good basketball teams. The Gophers didn't get to play Nebraska. And until you are able to become more confident uh, on offense, just having some of those shots go in, getting the team to relax on offense, it's really difficult to play 40 minutes of really strong defense. It's really hard to do that, especially against a team like Purdue that runs a million sets. Coming up against Rutgers is going to be an interesting game because I think while I tend to find mental toughness arguments kind of stupid, in this case, I think it actually is a, a, a more reasonable than usual argument because most of the problems that Rutgers are going to cause is a question of physicality. And if the Gophers can rise to that physicality and give really strong effort on the defense side of the ball for 40 minutes, they should beat Rutgers. They are a more talented team than Rutgers is. doesn't mean they're going to beat Rutgers. It means that at their best, Minnesota is a better team. And a lot of that, ultimately, in terms of how you fix it, is getting players to believe and act like that. And some of that, frankly, is just seeing some shots going. Well, uh, I'm going to change this over to the women because they went on a tear for a little bit there, got three three wins in a row. 
And then promptly, promptly got uh, properly stomped by Iowa uh, on Sunday. Um, at this point, you know, it, it was nice to see a little rally from them. Uh, you know, what, what if you were to kind of uh, play out what you would hope for for the rest of the season for the, the women uh, street, what are you really looking for now that we're, you know, finishing and coming to the finish of uh, Lindsey Whalen's third season in Minnesota? Well, there's still a fair number of games left. I don't have any expectation they're going to make the tournament. So the hope is, assuming it happens, because again, pandemic, you're hoping to get at least a a woman's NIT bid, just to kind of have, that would indicate that your season has gone up on an up note, and that's ultimately positive. But in terms of practical game by game, it's player development first and foremost. There's a lot of new pieces on the squad that have to be integrated. Um, also, a lot of the squad is still very young. So players, for example, Alexia Smith, very highly tied recruit. She's playing a lot more, but her development, Jazz Powell at the point guard position still hasn't quite figured out yet when to take over and dominate a game, when to get her other teammates involved. That doesn't mean she's not a good point guard. She's a very good point guard. It's just that that's a tendency that you kind of figure out as you mature as a player and, and get age. Uh, I would hope that Sarah Scalia finally gets healthy. The fact that she's putting up the amount of points she is with a separated shooting shoulder is insane. And while I'm never going to ever pretend that I am someone who can withstand a tremendous amount of pain, I certainly don't think I could be a high-performing athlete in any uh, context whatsoever if I had a separated shooting shoulder. But players like that, I think is the the primary improvement and the second thing is a frankly is effort on the defensive side of the ball because what we've seen during Lindsey Whalen's tenure is a tendency for this team usually in the third quarter but not always to just sort of fold for a little while and get well behind an eight ball and then have to come back and that's the kind of stuff that for a season that's already strange and stupid in many levels the pandemic and so forth what I would like to see from a game-by-game standpoint is just improvement on that kind of effort and that kind of togetherness. Because especially for a younger team and a team integrating a lot of new pieces, it frankly takes time both in the system and playing with each other to become really successful. Well, and looking at that, looking at their schedule too, I mean, the other thing you need to do is you need to win the games you got to win. Um, obviously the Gophers were supposed to be playing Michigan Thursday. That game's still postponed due to Michigan's two week shutdown, which I haven't heard anything about. So I guess the question is, is they going to come back after the two weeks or not? Um, the Gophers are supposed to host the Wolverines at the very end of February. Uh, Michigan is one of the top teams in the big 10 right now, but basically the rest of their schedule is pretty much split between teams that are probably going to beat up on the Gophers and teams that Minnesota needs to win. Um, they, they play Sunday at Ohio State. Ohio State's third in the Big Ten right now. They have to go to Maryland, who's ranked, I think, still top ten in the country. That's going to be ugly. Yeah, no, number ten. Uh, they've got one more game against Michigan at the end of the year. Uh, their other games, they need to win. They have a three-game stretch here coming up in mid-February. Illinois at home, Wisconsin at home, at Rutgers. They're the bottom three teams in the conference right now. You need to win all three of those games. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Minnesota has struggled with Illinois the last couple of years when Illinois has been hot garbage. There can't be any excuses. You have to win Illinois. You have to win against Wisconsin at home. You have to go into Rutgers and beat Rutgers. Rutgers has only played nine games this year due to COVID, and they're like one and four in the Big Ten. They're not good. Um, 
and then you got a, a, a split game, or you go to Id, Illinois to finish the season, and then you get Nebraska at home. You beat Nebraska in a, a really impressive win in Lincoln. Um, so, you know, trying to come back and do that again would be would be key. If you can go do that, you go one, two, three, four, five, and three down the stretch. Your record is just under under five hundred in the Big Ten. Um, it's respectable. It's not good, but it's respectable. Uh, if you drop one, two of those games that you need to win, that's when the grumbling is going to be that they, they need to be able to figure out how to win those games. So, um, you know, I, I, I agree with Street. You know, hopefully the, the women's NIT happens. They can sneak in as a bid. They're not going to make an NCAA tournament. Um, but hopefully they can use this as one more building stone to, to try and get to, to a place where they can make a run next year and get their young talent one more year to try and figure things out. Well, switching to hockey, uh, Ohio, the weekend at Ohio State for both the men and the women was mostly successful. The men, big sweep, 5-1, 5-2 wins uh, over the Buckeyes. Uh, the women split, um, which, not ideal, but, I mean, was the bare, was the minimum they needed to do. Um, they, they couldn't afford a sweep, and they did not give one up. So, uh, at this point, uh, I'm just going to open it wide open to you, Andy, to kind of talk about your thoughts on both hockey teams as uh, we come into a big border battle weekend. Wisconsin coming to Minnesota to play both the men and the women. Yeah, you know, I mean, the uh, the men continued their hot streak. They they absolutely uh, slaughtered Arizona State, scoring twenty goals in in two games. And uh, while not twenty, they they found a way to score ten goals in two games, five apiece against Ohio State. Um, so yeah, this team has scored thirty goals in four games, which is uh, pretty pretty exceptional. And and I don't. I mean, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, and and Wisconsin, you know, they're not necessarily a defensive shutdown. They did beat the Gophers three to one in the first game in Madison. Gophers came back and won the second game five three, uh, the next night. So Wisconsin can shut you down. They're getting much better goaltending play this year than they did last year. Uh, they've got a transfer from Michigan Tech, uh, Robbie Bayoun, uh, and a young freshman Cameron Rowe, who both have, have played well at times. Um, so. Uh, the one thing you got to watch against Wisconsin is trying. I mean, Minnesota has a has a good offense. They have a better offense top to bottom, but Wisconsin can score. Uh, they've got Cole Caulfield, who was uh, a Montreal first round NHL draft pick the year before last. Uh, he's in his sophomore year with the Badgers, leading the nation in goals with fourteen. Um, he is incredible. Minnesota has done a fairly good job. Uh, so far in the in the six games, I think that he's played against the Gophers. They haven't really let him beat uh, Minnesota too much. He's, he's scored goals, but it hasn't been too bad. Um, and then Dylan Holloway is a first-round draft pick of Edmonton last season, uh, also playing for Wisconsin. They were the number one and number two stars of the Big Ten last week uh, after lighting up Michigan State in Madison. So uh, the Gophers are going to have to shut down those two players. If they can do that, their depth should come out. They're getting scoring from all over. Uh, Blake McLaughlin is all of a sudden caught fire. He's got, I think, eight or nine goals in his last six games. He's uh, really tearing up. Sampo Ranta scored again last week. Uh, He was tied for the nation lead in the Big Ten lead goals for about three and a half minutes until Caulfield <laughs> passed him up again last weekend. But uh, Sample Ranta has really been impressive this season, uh, turning things around. And then, of course, what can you say about Jack LaFontaine? Uh, the Gopher senior goaltender has been as good as you can expect from this season. Um, 
continues to basically rank in the top three in every single uh, goaltending stat. Uh, Same percentage, goals against average, leads the country in wins. Um, was named one of the, the actually Minnesota's only nominee uh, for the Hobie Baker Award earlier this week, um, and was named uh, a finalist for the Mike Richter Award, which is basically the the goalies version of the Hobie Baker Award. Since goal no goalie has won the award since I think Ryan Miller did back in two thousand. Um, but then again, you know. Every single goalie in the country basically seems to be the, the the Richter Award released its watch list, and I put watch list in quotes today. Uh, there are like forty nine college hockey teams actually playing this year. Thirty four goalies are on the watch list, which seems a little ridiculous. But <laughs> you know, especially in a season where like you've got whole conferences that aren't playing. Yeah, I mean, five of the seven starting goaltenders in the Big Ten were named to the watch list, so. You know, every single every single starting goaltender for a hockey team in the state of Minnesota was named to the watch list. Um, which I mean, but but Lafontaine legitimately is a it's a top two or three candidate. Uh, uh, I think it's Hunter Hunter Dryden, I believe his name or Dry. I, I'm blanking on his name, but the kid from Mankato State is also uh, absolutely electric. I think he's got six shutouts on the season. Now Mankato wasn't quite playing the talent that the Gophers are week in and week out. Uh, but but he is a he's a really good goalie and probably right now legitimately would be the the biggest threat to uh, Lafontaine um, for the Mike Richter Award if it was handed out this weekend. So um, you know it, it's good to see him uh, getting recognized for his efforts, uh, and it should be a, a really good border battle this weekend. Uh, Minnesota currently has a five point lead on the Badgers uh, at the top of the Big Ten standing. So Wisconsin, if they were to sweep in regulation, could take the conference lead. I don't think that will happen. I think the worst that will happen this weekend is a, is a split. Uh, but I hope the Gophers can uh, can get that sweep and really just put the pedal to the metal, jump up on the Badgers by eleven points there. And and while that doesn't, you know put the final nail in the coffin, you could start putting the lid on, at least in Wisconsin's title hopes if that happens. So um, all, all most important is getting that number one seed in the regular season title this year. Uh, the Big Ten announced last week, I don't think we talked about it, that uh, they are they're going to a three-game and three-day tournament format uh, held at Notre Dame. They're going to be hosting the Big Ten tournament. Uh, the quarterfinals will be Thursday, uh, two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five. Semifinals then on Friday in the championship game Saturday. So getting that first round by is actually pretty important. Uh, not having to play Thursday night and being fresh for your semifinal op- opponent on uh, on Friday. So um, this will be definitely one of the years where the Gophers would really like to have that regular season title. And, and if they can just hold serve the rest of the way, uh, I think they've got a pretty good shot at locking that up. Women at this point, uh, after their split, still feel like the second best team uh, in the conference and country behind Wisconsin to you, or honestly, or do you yeah, think, I, I, or do you think Ohio State's you know still pushing right there? You know, legitimately, I would say that Wisconsin is number one, and Minnesota and Ohio State are two A and two B. Um, the Gophers and Buckeyes have played four times already this season. They've split so far two and two. Uh, they play them again in two weeks in the weird quirk that is the WCHA scheduling this season. Um, you know, I, I think if Minnesota wants to be have any uh, credence to say they're one of the top teams in the country, they need to find a way to at least win one of the games against the Badgers this weekend at home at Ritter. Uh, Wisconsin absolutely cleaned their clocks when they went to Le Bon a couple weeks ago. Uh, 
basically cruising to 5 nothing and 6-3 wins. Uh, the 6-3 win was 3-3 headed into the third period, and then Wisconsin absolutely dominated the third period. Uh, neither one of those games was as close as, as those scores make it sound believe it or not. So um, I think it's it's pretty obvious that the Badgers are the best team in the country, but on your home ice, you hope that you can hold serve and at least get one of those two games this weekend. Uh, but like I said, it doesn't get any easier. The Buckeyes come back in to Ritter the weekend after that. Um, so yeah, I would say Wisconsin's probably the top team in the country, but Minnesota, Ohio State are right there, 2A, 2B. Uh, Northeastern would be the other, probably the fourth team if you had to pick uh, a top four in the country right now. They're coming on uh, they've won, I think, like their last eight or nine games as well. So uh, they're the they're the best out in the East who's playing this year. Um, so if you had to predict a, a Final Four right now, those four would definitely be it. Um, when it comes to the Final Four of the WCHA, they announced earlier today uh, that the uh, their final face-off, they're just going to go away with, with first-round playoff games. They're just going to take the top four teams and play semifinals in a championship game the first weekend in March at Ritter. Um, which isn't really a surprise, especially if you look at the WCHA standings. It really is the have of the have-nots. Uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and UMD being the top four. Mankato, Bemidji, and St. Cloud being the bottom three. I think the difference in standings uh, is stark. Uh, that really, I think to for there to be any switch between the fourth and fifth teams, basically somebody would have to lose out and one of those bottom three teams would have to win out here the last six games of the regular season. That's not going to happen. So uh, it makes sense why they're doing it. I, I understand it kind of sucks for the, for the lesser ranked teams, but um, it, it's very obvious that the, the WCHA has four halves and three half knots this season. So just going straight to a, a final four with those teams makes a lot of sense. Volleyball, uh, another pair of wins against Maryland uh, this past weekend. So they are now 4-0, ranked 6th in the country, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, And then uh, face a a fairly good, uh, pretty good, I mean, pretty highly ranked Purdue team. Uh, this weekend at Purdue. Um, Andy, any quick thoughts about uh, that matchup? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, Purdue is uh, is definitely the toughest team the Gophers will face so far this season. Um, uh, they played uh, Wisconsin, the number one team in the in the, the first week of the regular season. The Badgers pretty much blew them out of the water. Uh, but this is the start of four straight ranked opponents for the Gophers. They had to Purdue, and then they're home for Penn State. And they had to Nebraska and their home for Michigan. All four teams right now ranked in the top 25. So uh, the Gophers went from playing a couple of the uh, also-rans in the Big Ten to it, it gets real here uh, in the conference real quick. So uh, Minnesota so far still a perfect uh, 6-0 and on, on sets. Uh, or Excuse me, perfect 12-0 and on sets in the season. Haven't dropped a set. Maryland made them work a little bit, though. Uh, the Gophers had to come from behind a couple of times to, to hold off sets against the Terrapins, uh, but they got it done. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when they play the Boilermakers this weekend. Looks like Friday's game is uh, 6 p.m. and airs live on BTN. Uh, Saturday will be 4 p.m. on BTN+. Plus. Uh, so you'll be able to check out you know two of the top five teams in the, in the conference on volleyball on Friday night. Uh, sort of as a warm-up to uh, to the Gopher hockey game, if you so wish. But, um, yeah, I mean, this should be a good task. If the Gophers can get two sweeps of the Boilermakers, um, then you definitely would have to say the Gophers are playing like a top-five team in the country right now. If, if Purdue gives them an effort, um, you know, Minnesota's going to have to focus and make sure that they can uh, 
keep their sheet clean. Everybody's already looking ahead, of course, to the to the big series, home and home series against the Badgers in in late March. But like I said, uh, these four ranked opponents in a row are definitely going to give the Gophers a, a tough task here over the next month. Well, and I think before we get to predictions, just want to close out with uh, congratulations. Hats off to Bethany Haas. Uh, she was, uh, a, a women's, she's a women's cross country runner. She won, became only the second gopher uh, in program history to win an individual Big Ten title in women's cross country. So, uh, Bethany, congratulations uh, and great work. Predictions. Hell if I know. Uh, Minnesota beats Rutgers just because I don't like losing to Rutgers in anything. Andy? Uh, You're going to have a hard time coming up with that famous famous NBA performer for Rutgers, aren't you? I mean, I was going to go Greg Schiano, but I'll hold off. I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll give you one. Just because it, it just, just the way that the Gophers are playing right now, it just seems appropriate. Uh, we're going to go Michael Thompson, 68, James Gandolfini, 76. God. So you're picking Rutgers to win. Yeah, I'm taking the Scarlet Knights. I think the Gophers are going to get whacked on the road again. Okay. Street? Tony Soprano would have most certainly gone to Hofstra. I suspect that Dante Jones would be your NBA player uh i don't make predictions about this basketball team however i would say that the primary uh, matchup of interest or stat if you will that minnesota needs to win to be successful apart from the one that i say always which is if minnesota shoots 36 percent or better from three they have lost once in the last two years so that would be nice but is defensive rebounding if minnesota wins the rebounding battle minnesota should beat rutgers and vice versa all right that's thursday night uh if you're keeping score uh you'll be watching minnesota at rutgers this thursday so all right friends uh that's it for this edition of the sky you podcast everybody stay safe wash your hands don't be idiots and as always go gophers sky you ma Row the boat.